but, but man, we got some exciting things taking place. God is moving in the lives of a lot of people. And, and right here within our congregation, he's changing lives. Folks are learning to, to make him Lord of their life. It's not, you know, it's, within church, we almost for decades have treated it like a factory. Hey, let's get people in, have them recite the sinner's prayer with us, and we can put a notch and say, hey, we had X many people make uh, confessions of Christ all year long, and we go, yay, look at this number. But, but we don't really spend a lot of time teaching people how to really truly make him Lord. You know, when uh, uh, Jesus said that you don't build a tower without first counting the cost. You know, you got to figure out what kind of supplies you've got to uh, buy and purchase and how much it's going to cost to build this tower. Otherwise, you'll get halfway through and you don't have what you need to build it. And then, you know, you're going to look kind of ridiculous in front of people. And that's, that's what has happened a lot, you know, in our modern day Christianity. We, we, we get consumed with numbers. Ooh, we got X number of people that gave their life to the Lord at this crusade or, or at this service or this camp or whatever. And, uh, without really letting people know, hey, before you make this decision, you have to count the cost. And that's what Jesus was trying to teach. And the cost is, when it comes to giving your heart to the Lord, the cost is everything. That's what it means to make him Lord of your life. You are making him complete boss of your life. That means every part of your life runs through him. And, and sometimes... And our flesh, we want to go this way in life. And he said, no, 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 go this way. But I don't want to go that way. And, and here in America, especially those of us who, you know, we, we've got a beautiful uh, a multinational congregation. But for, for those of you who are American, the, you know, our, whole, our whole country was almost founded on this, you can't tell me what to do, I'm an American, right? I'm free. This is a free country, I'll do what I want. Well, in the kingdom of God, you do what he wants. You don't do what the preacher wants. You don't do what, what your, the, the saints want. You, you do what he wants. And hopefully the preacher and the saints are doing what, what he wants. Right? That's, that's part of being in, in the kingdom. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not talking about heaven, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is right here amongst us. Uh, it's not just talking about the sweet by and by you know, where we go when we pass away. We, we have an eternal abode with him, and I've got a lot of loved ones. But the kingdom of heaven is about what you get to live and function in if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, and if you have faith in him, and you do what the word of God says to do, you actually function in the kingdom. You are functioning in the kingdom no matter what country you live in, whether you are a free person, whether you are incarcerated, whether you're living in a mansion, whether you're living in a hut, you, you get to function in the prosperity of the kingdom of God by prosperity. Now, we're going to wrap it up this week. This is eight weeks. Eight weeks God has had me preach about kingdom prosperity. And again, it has nothing to do with how much money you got in the bank. You can have $2 in the bank and you can still be prospering in the kingdom and the kingdom of God is not about how much you have. It's about how much you don't need. And here's the secret. In God, is there any lack? No. That means that you, can, you live in a kingdom. You live for a king who says, I will provide you with all you need. I will provide all your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
That's a promise. Not only that, we've learned over these last eight weeks, he made a contract with us. He originally made the contract or the covenant with Abraham. When Christ died, was buried, and rose again, he set the new contract for all of us that grafts us into the original old contract with Abraham. And that contract, in a nutshell, was if you will trust me and do what I tell you to do, I'll take care of everything for you. Amen. Some of you are living proof of that. So I'm, I'm living proof of that in my life. You know, when you, when you face losing everything and God says, okay, you're going to leave with me. You've got everything. You haven't lost one thing. You've got me. You've got everything. That's powerful. And that's how the Lord functions. The Lord will provide every need. Doesn't mean he's going to provide $5 million in the bank if you believe in him and trust in him. He may, if that's the purpose you have. The Bible also says, to whom much is given, much is required. Usually when he blesses you in any capacity is so that you can be a blessing. That's why he gives you abundance, so that you can be a blessing. So today what we're going to talk about is, uh, in kingdom prosperity, is not subject to the times. The kingdom of God is not subject to the times. First of all, to understand kingdom prosperity, once again, this is the definition we've been using now for eight weeks. Kingdom prosperity is not about money. Money can be a part of it, just like pepperoni can be a part of pizza, but pepperoni is not pizza, right? Uh, kingdom prosperity is this, the ability to use God's power to meet the needs of mankind in every facet of life. The ability to use God's power, which is, which is his Holy Spirit and his word, to meet the needs of mankind in every aspect of life. God, has, has, God is prospering you in his kingdom so that you can help meet needs in others. And your needs actually get to be met by other folk in the kingdom as well. That's how the Lord kind of winds us and weaves us together. Kingdom prosperity is threefold. It's spirit. Your spirit started prospering the minute you gave your heart to the Lord and you made him king and you made him Lord of your life. Your spirit began to prosper. Your soul prospers. Your uh, uh, Third John 2 says, brothers, I pray this, that you will prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. Your soul is your, your thoughts. The, the Greek is suke. It, it, it's, uh, it's where we get the word psyche. It's your thoughts, your emotions, uh, the, uh, your consciousness, if you will. You know, how many people want to prosper in your mind? You can have all the money in the world and you can't prosper in your mind sometimes, right? So, so man, you know, if... The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. If you're not thinking right, you're not going to be right. But you can prosper in your soul and prosper in your body. There is divine healing still available for you today, divine health available for you today. And, and, and so there's three areas of prosperity within the kingdom, spirit, soul, body. This is all just kind of review. So let's talk about this. We are not subject to the times. In the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter what Wall Street says. It doesn't matter what the stock market is doing. It doesn't matter who the, who is, uh, which administration is in charge of which country. It doesn't matter uh, what legislation is being passed, whether you like it or not. It has no bearing in the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter what social pressures are put on a society. If society wants to say this is now no longer wrong, it's right. If the Bible calls it wrong, it's still wrong. But the kingdom of God is not subject to the times. 
So we don't have to panic. We don't have to get enraged and angry just because the world goes one way. It has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Right? The kingdom of God is, is only subject to one thing, and that's the word of God. And the word of God remains yesterday, today, and forever. The word of God is the most real thing on the planet. It's more real than what we see, feel, hear, experience, encounter. So the kingdom of God is not subject to the times. So there's no need for Christians to freak out just because, oh man, inflation. What are we going to do about inflation? What does that have to do with the kingdom of God? His economy has nothing to do with the world. Oh, this group is getting more uh, uh, political clout and changing. What, what does that have to do with the kingdom of God? We want to get upset because the world acts like the world. Well, guess what? We acted like the world until the Holy Spirit got a hold of us <laughs> and empowered us not to act like the world anymore. You know, the world's going to act like the world until they're filled with the Holy Spirit as well, until they make Jesus Lord of their life as well, right? The kingdom of heaven is not subject to anything that goes on in the world. And, and that's the joy that we get to live in. Say, oh man, they're going up on taxes again. Well, if they're going on, if God knows what your needs are, he's going to provide for you. What about inflation? If God knows what your needs are, he's going to provide for you. So don't feel like the goings-on of, of government, of society, or this planet has any bearing on you if you are a child of God. He's the only one that impacts your life. Matter of fact, this is scripture. Psalm 31.15 says this. David said this. My times are in your hands. My times are not dictated by the world, but my times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my foes and those who pursue me and persecute me. Well, that's part of the covenant. Jesus said, I will bless those, or God told Abraham, I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. And we're grafted into that covenant, right? So let's talk about this. This is a great example of this. Same circumstances, different outcomes. We're about to talk about this. It's found in Jeremiah. We, we see two different people. Same set of circumstance, different outcomes, right? Here we go. Because all craziness can break out in life. It doesn't matter if you're a child of God or if you're the worst sinner on the planet. You're going to go through stuff. That's just the way life is. But here's same circumstance, different outcome. Jeremiah 17, 5 and 8 says this. This is what the Lord says. So Jeremiah is not saying it. The preacher ain't saying it. God's saying it. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans. So you're bringing yourself under the curse, the curse of the law, the curse of Adam and Eve. If, if you put your trust in, in everything that goes on in this world, man's system, man's abilities, and those who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord, they are stunted shrubs in the desert. So, they're, so these people are having to deal with desert-like conditions, dry, hot, weary conditions, and they're like shriveled up or stunted shrubs with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. So those who just put their trust in mere humans or, or things, systems created by mankind, they, they become, you, you just become shriveled up. You're having to go through some hot conditions. You're having to go through some furnace-like temperatures, and you just don't have any hope. You're barren. You're shriveled up. You're not producing anything ultimately in life. 
Verse seven though, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. The word confidence is another word for faith. So blessed, is the Lord, blessed are those who, who, who trust God, who are willing to do what he says. Look what they're going to be like. They're like trees planted along a riverbank. Now, if you're a tree and you get real estate, somehow or another, the seed that you came from gets dropped near a river or near a lake, man, you've hit the jackpot as a tree. Because it doesn't matter what the temperature is. It doesn't matter how much rainfall comes around. As long as you're near a body of water, you've got plenty of supply. You ain't going to have to worry about it, right? And so he's like, hey, if, if you trust in the Lord, if you trust in me, you're going to be like one of these trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat. Now, these trees are going to have to go through heat just like the shrubs up there. But they're not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. So these trees are having to go through the same conditions at times, as the shrubs originally mentioned. But because these trees have trusted the Lord, they've got an endless supply. It doesn't matter how, how many days go by without rain. They're planted by a source that, that doesn't come from the clouds. Hey, I got my river right here. Said that it doesn't matter what the temperature is. I'm not bothered by it. I know it's getting hot. It's going to be all right. I'm all right. And then it goes on, such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. Their leaves stay green. So that means that they're full of life and they never stop producing fruit. Say, so, well, it hadn't rained in three months. Ah, uh, this tree's still producing fruit. It's not worried about what drops out of the sky. It's got its source right beside it. That's, that's the, the, the model of the kingdom of God. It's two different, situ two different people, same set of circumstances. We're all going to go through trouble. We're all going to go through, uh, at times, hell on earth. It's just part of life. There's going to be things that test you, that push you to your limits. But if you put your trust in God and, and live in the kingdom of God, which is a state of mind, a state of spirit, a state of faith, that I don't like what I'm going through, but it's going to be all right because I am planted in you, Christ. And, and you are my river that my roots are connected to. I don't have to depend on my job. I don't have to depend on folks liking me. I don't have to depend on, on a family structure. I don't have to depend on anything else. All I have to do is trust you. And I know everything is going to be all right. So it doesn't matter if the heat cranks up. It doesn't matter if the pressure's put on me. I'm going to make sure I am okay because you are taking care of me. My leaves are still green and I will keep bearing fruit. You can be prosperous right in the middle of the drought. But if you put your trust, I don't know what I'm going to do. My retirement's not looking good. I don't know what I'm going to do. My, the, the stocks I've invested in have dropped. I don't know what I'm going to do. Half my family's not talking to me anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, I'm running out of this. I'm running out of that. I've lost my job. Wait, what am I going to do? Well, guess what? God's going to provide. Stick with it. Stick with him. That's two, two different people, same set of circumstances. God's promises are not deterred by our circumstances. It doesn't make his promises any less real. It doesn't make the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven, there is no lack. What if I lose my house? Well, no, it's, that's not a fun set of circumstances. But he'll make sure you got a house. 
Maybe it's not the one you're in. Maybe he's doing you a favor. <laughs> Maybe that drought's drying up that house and he's gonna give you one that you're gonna be even more blessed in. It may not be as big, may not be as pretty, but it may be exactly what you need for right here, right now. If you just real, what if I lose my car? He'll make sure you got something, you know? Maybe he's just burning some excess off of you so that you get down to the core of who he is and his supply, amen? Here's a wonderful example. We're gonna talk about Isaac. This is my last point. I preached long the last two weeks. I'm gonna let y'all out. I don't want y'all to stop liking me. All right, Isaac uh, had settled in the land of the Philistines, uh, in the land of Gerar. There was a great famine. Everybody was booking it to Egypt because Egypt, you had the Nile River and Egypt had supplies. They, had, they would have storehouses of supplies. Egypt was kind of the focal point and the center of the, the known world at that time of civilization. So folks are like, let me go to Egypt because they got the stuff we need. We can't plant, we can't plant and grow our own crops because it's, there's a drought. We don't have water, we can't grow anything. So we don't have wheat, barley, grains, all that good stuff. Our livestock needs stuff. We're gonna have to go to Egypt and purchase it all. But God tells Isaac, nope, don't you do that. You trust me. Here's the account. Genesis 26, a severe famine now struck the land as had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, check this out. Now, who was Isaac's dad? Abraham. Who did God make the original contract with? Abraham. Abraham was faithful, and God said, hey, I'll, I'll keep it rolling through all your children. So he restates the contract here to Isaac. Same contract. Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land. Now he's telling them, do what I tell you. Stay here. You're, even though you don't belong here, you're a foreigner. Stay here and don't go to Egypt. Do what I tell you. So that's what he's going to do. And then he says, in other words, if you'll do what I tell you to do, live here as a foreigner in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. Don't worry about no rain. Don't worry about the dry ground. I'm going to bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Well, his descendants are going to have to be blessed if they're going to be able to be a blessing to others, right? So everything he's talking about is exactly what he told Abraham too, right? So he's restating that contract. If you do what I tell you to do and trust me, I'll do all this for you. And he goes on to say, I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So what did Isaac do? So Isaac stayed in Gerar. So he, he obeyed the Lord. He did what the Lord told him to do. He obeyed the word of God. He trusted God and he obeyed the word of the Lord. All right, I'm gonna trust you. There's a drought. You want me to stay here? Number one, I'm a foreigner. I'm an alien in a land that's not getting any rain. Go out there and look at my yard, God. There's cracks all in it. My cow fell in one, almost broke her, broke her foot the other day. You want, me to, you want me to stay here? Well, if I'm gonna stay here, I'm gonna have to plant. 
I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to try to grow something. I gotta feed my livestock. I gotta feed my family. But if you say it, I trust it. I will stay in Gerar. I'm not gonna go to Egypt. I'm not gonna depend on the Egyptians to sell me goods. I will. I will. You said you would provide for me. I will trust you. In essence, is what he's saying. So if you hop down in chapter 26, check out what happened. When Isaac planted in that cracked field, that dry field, right? (laughs) When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted for the Lord blessed him. Didn't get a bit of rain. It was famine. Yet he wound up growing a hundred times more than what he planted because God blessed him. It didn't come from the earth. It didn't come from the skies. It came from God himself. He blessed him. Now, what's Isaac going to do with all that stuff? He's not going to eat all that grain. His animals aren't going to eat all that grain. A hundred times he planted a dollar and got a hundred bucks back, right? In other words, it's, that's, a, that's a pretty good investment. You plant and got a hundred times more than what you planted? Well, he sold it. Now, all of a sudden, the people of Gerar don't even have to go to Egypt. He can be a blessing to them. So what are they going to do? Oh, we can buy it from Isaac. We don't have to go all the way down to Egypt. We'll just buy it from Isaac. Well, what happens? Because God blessed him, verse 13, he became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. The conditions weren't even right for any of this to happen. It was a famine. You don't plant and waste seed in the middle of a famine unless you're walking in the kingdom of God, unless you have faith in God and you're willing to obey him and do what he says to do. You may be going through a hard time right now, even financially, Say, well, things are, things are tight. I, I, I can't afford to tithe. And all honesty, you can't afford not to. <laughs> the, the word of God tells us, hey, go ahead and tithe. And God said, test me, try me, see if I won't. It's in Malachi. So see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that's so big you can't even contain it. Sometimes you have to sow in the middle of a famine. Say, I, I can't show love right now because I'm going through such a hard time. I just don't feel like I have so much, very much love to give. No, you, that's the time when you're going, when people are treating you the worst, that's the best time to show love to people. Why? Because you can reap upwards of a hundred times love. Say, I don't, I don't know how much, I don't know how much uh, time I can give. I've been so busy. Well, sometimes that's the best time to give time. I, I, you know, I know I'm tired, but hey, I'm, I'm still going to make good. I'm going to invest this time into the kingdom of God. And God will return to me upwards of 100 times more time that I can rest and recoup and have time with my family, right? It's, it, it's just a principle in the kingdom of God. He became very wealthy. Verse 14, he acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. That's crazy. The conditions were not right. It wouldn't have made sense according to man's systems to plant in the middle of a drought. Yet God told him, no, you stay there and I will bless you. Okay, I trust you. I'll be obedient. And God blessed him so much, not only blessed him, but he blessed him with so much abundance he had so much that even the Philistines got, got jealous of him. What in the world? You're a foreigner and you came and did something ridiculous. And now you make making all this money off of us. That's God. That's the kingdom. Everyone stand. 
Told you I was going to be short, short and sweet today. That's the kingdom of God. Man, I hope over these last eight weeks, you've learned. If, if you've not been here, I encourage you, go back and listen. We've got them archived on the website, gatheringviridian.org. Go, go search around there. You'll find the archive. I, and, and, and those of you who are on Slack, which is our, our app that we use to communicate, uh, usually every Monday or Tuesday, I'll put the, the notes from the sermon out in Slack. Uh, if you want to go back and look at some of these scriptures, read them, read them, read them until they get from your brain into your heart. Not so that you can remember, oh, Pastor Dave preached, it had nothing to do with me. But that, so you can understand, so you can understand the power of the kingdom of God and the fact that God is, oh, God, I'm suffering for the Lord. No, he's already, he suffered on the cross for us. That even in your trials, you can prosper. Say, well, you don't understand. I think my trial is going to kill me. Well, even that's prospering. Really, if you think about it, <laughs> no, one, no one wants to die. But hey, as a believer in Christ, if it's your time to cross over, that's the best day of your life, as we say, right? <laughs> that is, yeah, Paul said to die is to gain. Man, if, if, if I die here, man, I gain everything. I'm, I'm with Christ. So, so even, even with that, we don't even have to fear or worry even about death. Nobody wants to. We still got purpose. We still got stuff we want to do. We don't like losing loved ones. Oh, it hurts to lose loved ones. But man, no matter what, in the kingdom of God, you prosper. Even in the midst of trials. Even in the midst of misfortune. Even in the midst of loss. Even in the midst of hurt. If you're a child of God, if you put your faith in Christ, amen, you're going to prosper. Let's